0: Welcome to the TK and Jay Show. I am TK in Chicago, hanging out for work. Uh, It's late tonight. Wanted to get our best of show out to you. Jay is back in Ohio doing his thing. He's got some exciting news I know he can't wait to share when we get back with you guys in a few weeks. On behalf of Jay, I just wanted to say uh, a very belated Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. A very happy New Year. We hope Santa Claus and your families were very good to you guys, that you guys had a safe, healthy holiday. Uh, We wanted to thank everyone for all their support and their encouragement and their feedback the first few months of our show. Uh, 2019 is going to be a very new year for us. We're going to get started a few weeks late just because of my training and with what Jay has going on. But as promised via Twitter, I really wanted to get out tonight and just uh, let you guys know we haven't forgot about you. We are coming back. This show is going to get bigger and better than it's ever been. Um, I've been looking at different ways that we can record more efficiently, add more content to the shows, maybe add some sounds to the shows so we can emphasize our points, just little things that you might hear on a regular radio station and talk show that maybe you can hear with ours. So if you have any feedback or anything you'd like us to do, any ideas for segments, Please hit us up, TK and J Show, J A E, at yahoo.com. Hit us up on Twitter at J A E underscore TK. We'd love to hear from you. So, what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to uh, put together probably two or three of my favorite segments uh, from the past uh, uh, four or five months of our show uh, where I thought maybe uh, we had a lot of fun. Um, I know the first one that you're all going to hear right after uh, I finish this segment. I'm going to play our very first segment from our very first show. I uh, just you know just want to see you know have everybody in case you're just catching up with us, see where we started, see where we've come from, um, and sometimes it's nice to just uh, revisit the past. Uh, so with that said, you guys enjoy uh, this episode of the best of the TK and J show, and we look forward to returning back to you. We'll drop an episode. The Monday before the Super Bowl. We can't wait to get back with you guys and get 2019 rocking. Uh, We want to take this show to to big levels, to big heights. Uh, we got lots of great plans, Uh, so stick with us. We uh, thank you for your patience uh, while we've uh, been away, just getting ready to make a new and improved show for you. And obviously, a lot have been out of town for work, and while Jay's got some other stuff going on. So enjoy this here, Um, and as of this recording... The Browns are looking for a head coach, so I don't even have an update for you there either. Uh, but uh, again, thanks for your support. We look forward to seeing you guys in a couple weeks, and enjoy the best of the TK and Jay Show. And welcome to the first ever TK and Jay Show. I am TK. This is my buddy Jay. How's everybody doing? Hopefully everyone's doing good out there tonight. Man, do we have a condensed show for you because all of our friends wouldn't leave. They wanted us to record in front of a live studio audience, and I said no, so we kicked them out. Um, but tonight we're going to review the 25th anniversary special of Power Rangers. And spoiler alert, we are going to spoil some of the festivities if you haven't had a chance to watch it, but most of you are probably here for the sports talk and what I might say next, so you're probably not going to care about Power Rangers, and that's okay. So Jay, tell me your thoughts. What would you think? So I haven't really been watching for a long time, and for coming back after
1: maybe five years or so, I felt like it was a it was a good showing. A lot, very action packed, a lot for a half an hour. I re- I must say, I really must say, a lot for a half an hour. You know, I, I would love to have some you know some more of those battles, more epic, more longer, especially the the one with Tommy versus Tommy. I would love to have a lot more involved with that, more than just a minute you
0: know I agree I was kind of uh, disappointed that they only gave us a 30 minute showing for this cuz with commercials you only get 16 18 minutes um but at the very beginning it opens up and Tommy pulls up to his house in Reefside mm-hmm. um in a pretty sweet looking Bronco with huge tires pretty pretty decked out for a for a high school science teacher I might say <laughs> and he walks up to his to his house and he goes picks up a bike and yells JJ I thought I told you to put this away so we find out in the first thirty seconds not only is Tommy Oliver still fighting crime and bad guys, but he is indeed a dad now. You know, the one thing
1: that I'm wondering is is I'm still wondering who the mother is. Now, word on the
0: street is is that it's Catherine. But uh, you know, whatever happened to Kimberly. Why 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 couldn't she be? Kimberly wrote him a letter once they wrote her off the show and he she wrote a letter saying that she had found somebody else in Florida and it crushed him. So Catherine tried to step up and be that that person, and then I remember an episode in Zio where they had like a flash to the future, and you see Tommy talking to one of his grandchildren, and Catherine is his wife. I do remember that episode, so I'm kind of thinking that maybe that's where they went. But even with katherine in the episode, we never got to neither confirm or deny that. I mean, it would
1: be it would be awesome, you know, especially for the viewers like me if that we could go back and it and it was Kimberly that was a wife we just didn't get a chance to see her she didn't get a chance to sign off for this episode maybe we go somewhere with that you know my my thought is is you you put that out there we need to go more with it now I, us us fans we want to know like where did JJ come from who was who's the mother is he a single dad you know I'd like to see that let's let's build that storyline let's go with it i i mean
0: whole new power rangers Tommy by himself i'm all i'm all for it it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because they're actually releasing... It's called Soul of the Dragon, mm-hmm. and you find out... That it's a comic book, and you're going to find out that Cat and Tommy end up together, and it's Tommy as a much older person trying to find his way out through life and the morphing grid and things like that, and they haven't really given us too much other than just him as an old man with Catherine as his wife. So I can only assume if that's the case that maybe he is married to Cat. Maybe. But I agree. Yeah. You could... With what we saw tonight, you could definitely have an entire season of just All-Star Rangers. You could do an entire season just of Tommy teaming up with Wes from Time Force and yep. Rocky from Mighty Morphin or even he could be Zeo. You could take all the different guys and just make a different um, a story arc is what I'm looking for. You know, because in Time Force, where West came from, the story arc in that season was phenomenal, and I really wish that they would have built off that. And with these legendary Rangers coming back as often as they have been, mm-hmm. you could build off that. And I would love to see Hasbro now that Saban has stepped aside, take this and run with it. Because if you come out with stuff like this, it's going to be a cash cow. It's going to sell toys. It's going to get the ratings. It's going to get everything that Hasbro wants to make this franchise successful. For me, the
1: time the time is now. Um, Saban could, you know, essentially do something like this we we would yearn for it i mean in the time where when you're they're redoing movies from our childhood like Toy story you know we saw that you know all of us adults were in the movie theater watching that that Toy story 4 even though it came out when we were 11 we would love to see a storyline develop like that i mean there is a market for it I, w- I would be sitting down watching this every day don't matter if it's on the disney channel cartoon network wherever they want to put it right i would still change the channel to it just like I would if they put, like they did when they put *Boy Meets World* back off, when they put the spinoff for that, I, I'm ready for something that reaches out to us to happen with the original Rangers that we who've grew been loyal up to, to the show for 25 Absolutely. years. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think Netflix. If you're out there listening, Netflix, this is a great opportunity to reach out to Hasbro and say, "What do you guys want? Let's make it happen."
1: Oh yeah, this <laughs> is definitely a good time. You know, *Fuller House*—great, great series, great, great spinoff from *This Is Now*. Time, let's do a
0: power of rangers if that's a word you know let's do let's do that let's- absolutely because there's there's so many different ways you can go about it you could somehow bring back zordon you could bring back lord zed you can bring back you know villains from other seasons that other some rangers might not have seen before mm-hmm. and the, the possibilities are endless and now that they're talking about in this episode where the rangers have the ability to cross dimensions into other ranger worlds that just opens the box to do so much with this franchise and i'm really hoping that hasbro steps up and gives us what we want because it's going to make money if you were to take some of the original cast and throw them in a movie now much older in life where they're at now that's going to make money Because the toys the legacy toys were selling out of the toys r us's when they were there and i know we kind of got off track from the episode there but i mean it's it's you know hasbro if you're listening i'm tapping on the mic listen give it to us we will buy it just know would, that that episode
1: was phenomenal. Um, I was captivated, captivated for the whole 16 minutes. Of know, screen time. The, yeah, of screen time without the commercials. I would be in the middle of a sentence. Show would come back on. I'm right back to it. Let's watch this. Let's let's get it. Let's get it done.
0: You know the uh, the scene that really got to me is when they um, you find out that uh, Tommy was captured along with a couple other legendary rangers. You had uh, TJ from In Space. Um, you had some Kara from uh, Megaforce. You had Rocky, uh, the mm-hmm. second Red Ranger. You had Kat as a uh, Turbo Ranger, which she was only a Turbo Ranger for half the season. Mm-hmm. But you find that they were cloning uh, these Rangers and making them evil. And Tommy was able to escape, but you find out that they had made a robot clone Tommy to capture these other Rangers, which was genius. And as they're freeing the Rangers and they all come out, this giant robot Tommy comes out and kicks the real Tommy and says... Who better than to take out Tommy Oliver than me and it's Tommy looking at Tommy and I know that all of us kind of jump off off the couch like, holy cow this is really going to happen what, what are they going to do next And then of course it goes to commercial and we're like no <laughs> I
1: mean and that's why I said you know at the beginning that I wish there was more of a of a fight between those two, and that's why the show needed to be longer. You know, when I go back to the Green Ranger versus White Ranger battle, that was three episodes, and and so right here we had a chance to do a Tommy versus Tommy again, which I never get tired of because no it's it, no one can beat Tommy. That, right. In my opinion, he's he is the guy. He is the ranger. And the only guy that could take him out is
0: himself. He's That's the ambassador for the exactly. franchise. So it's captivating. It, it is. I mean, the fact that you had, here's another spoiler alert, he used the regular morpher and put a ZO 5 coin in the regular morpher and morphed in the ZO Ranger 5 red. That was an incredible twist. My hat's off to Saban, because Saban did make this episode. Hats off to you. I'm waiting for you to start selling the coin. Please take my money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, he had
0: a Swiss army knife of
1: a morpher. What? in the world just happened. Like, I'm sitting there thinking, okay. You know, maybe we're gonna get all of his his different dimensions of Rangers. I mean and and, and to start off with the the Zero Ranger, which I hadn't seen in forever, was amazing to me. Um and but to give us the, the coup de grace with the Green Ranger, I, I just I just loved it. And
0: don't forget you had it he go, you know, it's morphin time again, he calls out White Ranger and says Tiger Zord, and then he's fighting out there with Saba and people forget of all the Rangers that he played, he was the White Ranger the longest. He was only the Green Ranger for in essence, probably 30 episodes of the entire time he was on the show, but it was such a powerful character that, that when you think of Tommy Oliver, you think of the Mighty Morphin Green Ranger. Absolutely. But the White Ranger was still a beast in his own right. Mm-hmm. And, and and
1: it's funny to think that where Tommy's at now with the series, when he was only supposed to be there for for 10 shows, and, and people wrote in for him to be there. Yeah, the so. producers
0: were getting letters saying, bring, bring him back, bring him back. Our kids loved his attitude, his message what he brought to the team, and who would have thought? A guy who knew going in, I'm getting 10 episodes, turns out to be the greatest ranger, the ambassador for the franchise. Mm-hmm. And if you get a chance to meet him at a Comic-Con, he is, he is just as down-to-earth in real life as he is on social media, and he is just a joy to be around.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's very very into the social media. I, kinda, I follow him and listen to him talk a lot on the social media. He's just as good as a guy that he looks on TV as he is, on social media. I mean, he he's just a gem to me. I I still idolize him and I'm 32 years old right. and I feel like a kid when I see Tommy Oliver everywhere, you know. Jason David Frank is is the man to me. He will always be my Luke Skywalker. I mean, for for you Star Wars nuts out there, uh that that guy is my
0: North Star. So Right. He's he's uh, my Jean-Luc Picard, my my James Tiberius Kirk that is Tommy Oliver, you know, to <laughs> yeah, absolutely. me. Absolutely. Um so I really thought too they kind of um I didn't know that Lord Dray, Drayden was a bad guy in the Power Rangers Dino Charge series, but it's also very, very for, familiar or similar to Lord Draken in the comic books, which I know I was sharing with you tonight. Mm-hmm. But Lord Draken did something similar in the comics that Lord Draydon was doing in the uh show today where he was making this evil empire of rangers. And I just thought um seeing all those different... Rangers with spikes and all, you know, beasted up. I was like, wow, that was actually a pretty cool twist to the show itself. Um, and then, but the only thing I didn't like is they beat all those guys in like 45 seconds was, because we don't get a full hour.
1: Exactly. We need, it needs to be a three-part series. What happened to those days where you just, oh, we got to come back. You know, you come home from school, you turn it on, and there's, and then you would look at the bottom that says part one. You're like, oh gosh, this is about to be epic. Here we and go. We, we got more, more coming. And then you get to the end of it and you're, you're barely... You're barely fully into it. You're, like, on the edge of a seat, and then the 2B Continuum continue. comes up. And you're like, no! Yes, you're there. <laughs> you're there the next day, right there, same spot, ready for the next episode. I felt like they deserve more. What I did like uh, that you alluded to was the comic books um, were getting a little bit darker, and I feel like there's a market for that, too. We, we would love to see a, a more adult version of this, and that's why I feel like with this episode, we got introduced to Tommy's son. We didn't get to see him, but we know he's there in some facet. I feel like we can do this. We can move it forward with, with the adults. We can put it somewhere where the adults would watch. So, or we can even make it so that kids and adults will watch. Right. I, I mean, this was a great episode that left me wanting more. I'm like, let's, let's explore. Let's explore Tommy's universe right now because he has a kid. I want to know what he's doing. I want to know how his kid is going to develop. Is he going to be a Ranger? Like, what is going on? That's that's what this episode did for me, where I, I may have to come back and watch to see if Tommy comes back with J.J.
0: Right. You know? And I think as long as um, his popularity and his loyalty to the franchise stays, anytime that they're going to have something like this, um, they're going to bring him back. But, you know, like to your point, too, you know, we're 32 and 33 years old now. And but the kids of twenty five years ago have grown up, so going some to a place like they do in the comics where it's a little darker, kind of like how the Batmans got with you yep. know Christopher Nolan and stuff, yep. that wasn't your mom and pop's Batman from the nineties or even with Adam West, but I was okay with it because of the character development and how it was written and how they acted it and they stayed true to the franchise. And I think now us grown ups, we're still we're still very loyal, we're still very intelligent with some of the shows, a lot of the seasons. I mean, you see my stuff, I have all the legacy toys from you know Mighty Morphin. We're loyal to it. If you give us the stuff, we'll buy it. We'll continue to buy in. This isn't something that's going to go away. This is a lasting product, something that lasts 25 years and is getting stronger and better. You need to be loyal to a sense to your fans who started with you and have stuck with you for this long.
1: I agree. Side note, uh, the Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame is here in Ohio. And I feel like the Power Ranger Hall of Fame is here in your house. There's two Hall of Fames here in Ohio. It is amazing the shrine that you have to the Power Rangers here, uh, and and it is a testament to how good this series was when we were kids. Right. Um. And I and I just wish that uh, in this time, even with the movie that came out, it was it was so good. I, I didn't even expect to for it to do as well as it did, and it did amazing. I thought it would just be you and me in the movie theater. Right. And. I mean, you know, my wife made me go again, which I had no problem with, you know, friends were asking me, let's go see it, you know, I I feel like Saban, he can capitalize on this so much right now, and I think he needs to listen, right. I mean, the, the, these guys are literally making dollar after dollar going to Comic Cons off of us who still yearn to see them, like we did when we were younger, traffic jams in LA, where, you know, they caused a 10 mile traffic jam just so people could see them do flips, right. I mean... And this, just talk
0: to the kids in the crowd. That's right. it. Yeah. I mean,
1: you know, this is this is where I feel with the the way superhero movies are are out. They're huge. I mean, Marvel's killing it right now. I feel like this is a market where he can get into. I mean, he really could steal, uh, you know, the thunder that DC is trying to build with just putting out any any Power Ranger movie at all, and right. and, and and using the characters that we fell in love with, um. Uh, to this day, I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping that they bring Tommy Oliver into the next Power Rangers that they're planning on doing with the the guys that are out now. But I want to see the the regular Tommy Oliver, Jason David Frank. I want to see him come back and do his timeline now. I want him to be the dad. I want him to bring JJ. I want him to bring Catherine if that's his wife. I want them to do that series. At some point when they when they like tomorrow right
0: (laughs) yeah you know and and he's always said too that if it makes sense he will be loyal to the franchise he has no problem stopping his comic-con runs or his other side projects if because this is how he's made his living and this is how people know him he is loyal to a fault and a good fault and if there's something out there and it's gonna be good and it's not gonna tarnish the legacy he's gonna go for it yeah so if you're listening guys we're ready for it and we're ready for that next installment of the movie I know Hasbro said that they're in talks with Lionsgate right now to get something started. I would like them to make me make a few tweaks. When we'll get into that in another podcast, I thought um, that some of the things were a little too far out- outstretched, but I think that you can you could rectify that in a second movie. And you mentioned, you know, your wife, you know, your you know, your wife wanted to go see it. Um, you know, Billy in the movie, he, he mentioned that he's on the spectrum, he has autism. My wife works with special needs kids. Um, at a local high school, and the fact that it was able to connect with her on that kind of a level just kind of you know really made me appreciate what she does, but that they were able to take situations that people face every single day and incorporate it and just because you have autism or maybe like the yellow ranger in this case mm-hmm. she 's gay that doesn 't mean that you can 't be a hero or that you can 't be mm-hmm. a good person and that you can 't do what 's right to you know help people and
1: that 's that 's a good part about the the current power rangers that's that is out because it they're they 're trying to touch every kid 's life, which is huge when you when you're growing up as a kid, if you don't see someone who identifies with you or looks like you as a hero, it's hard for you to really think that you could ever be what you want to be. And I and I remember that as a young kid when when we're picking our career day, we're having a career day. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I don't see anybody that looks like me anywhere that I want to be. So I'm going to be with the people that who I look like. So, you know, I don't have to, when like when I was a kid, I don't have to be the rapper. I don't have to be the basketball player. I mean, obviously, a Power Ranger is a real career, but when I'm a kid, I could say I could be a Power Ranger. You know, right. that's why the, you know Zach was important to me and everything like that. You know, it's good to see that they made these characters to people that that can be identified with with kids out there. They understand that hey, that's me. You know, I could be a Power Ranger. You know, maybe I'm a superhero. You know, and that's that. That just warms my heart that they're doing that. You right. know, even though we're living in a in a society that I feel sometimes it's. Uh, you know maybe a little bit too PC. I, I like when we're including everybody. I, I do. I right. it, it makes it, it it makes it good. You know, I don't want to be stodgy bookworm or anything like that about being PC, but I do like it when everybody feels
0: welcome. I, right. I, that's 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 wonderful. And I'm glad Power Rangers did that with this last movie. For sure. Absolutely. And then bringing it back to top it all off um you know the 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 character uh, Lord Dre Dray, Draydon so many different uh, Lord zeds, and Drakens and draydons—you got—it's tough to keep them all uh, uh, straight. He was there was three arrows that he was trying to shoot into the uh, sky that would shatter the um, portals in between the Ranger worlds and allow his army to go destroy everything. And he gets his third and final arrow up, and it's not looking good for the Power Rangers. Tommy again takes out his Swiss knife, Swiss Army knife, morpher, morphs into the White Ranger, and then he calls for the Falcon Zord. Hair on the back of my neck standing up, and I jump off the couch, and I'm like, "Man, I wish I was Dragon Zord, but that's still pretty cool to see the Falcon Zord coming out of nowhere, riding up there, shooting the arrow back at the bad guy, and saving the day." I think that was a great way to end that episode.
1: They uh, threw me an actual curveball on that one. If, if, if to me, if if you're going to the to the to, uh, White Ranger, I thought for sure we're going to get uh, White the White Tiger Zord, and he was going to just become his man version of the Zord, right? And uh, when he morphed it to the Falcon, I was like, I don't think, I don't think I ever remembered the Falcon, um, on TV. I know he did the, they did the Ninja Zords and I mean, yeah, the Ninja Zords on TV, the regular TV, but I just, I hadn't seen it in so long that I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And, and the fact that they actually allowed the wings to bend this time, right? which, which is, which is, which is great because wonderful
0: world of CGI for you, yeah, but still it absolutely. made it a little more believable.
1: Yeah. It, it's an actual bird flying this time. Right. Um, was was amazing. I, I I loved what they did with it, uh, and 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 I love how they they made Tommy be the the epic hero that he was to save the day. Right. They didn't all have to come together and put some hodgepodge of resort together. We just let let Tommy take care of it. He's gonna save the world as he always does. Right. So
0: that's Tommy being Tommy. Absolutely. So all in all, I would have to say I would give that episode a solid A. I, I thought they really captured my. My essence of 25 years of being a fan—they brought back so many different Rangers from so many different times—and I really thought that having Tommy save the day, like you said, was just the icing on the cake. It was very, very well done.
1: Yeah, I, I also give it—I give it an A. And, and this is me coming from not really watching this for years now. I've caught episodes here and there, um, and I've actually been captivated, captivated by what I've seen. Um, but this episode was one of the first where this is a, a put down your remote type type show. I didn't want to see anything else. I, you know, I didn't want to change the channel. This had me from beginning to the end. And I mean, they started out hard with basically saying, you know, JJ, put your bike away. And I'm sitting there, oh, he's got a kid. We're going to see this kid. And then to the end where Falcon Sword uh, basically saves the day. Right. Probably saves the day. I was I was there from beginning to end. I just, just wish it was longer.
0: That's yeah. all. If you would have had longer, you'd have been able to get some more of the other Rangers, some lines. You know, because Tommy fighting Tommy is a story in and of itself inside of that episode, and you mm-hmm. could have given it a better climax because you could have had, you know, I would have liked to see Lord Drayvon get big and then see Bad Tommy get big and then right. them have to fight it that way. That would have been kind of cool. You give yourself an hour, you can open up those doors. But for a half hour, they didn't even have to recognize 25 years, and they did, and I hats off to them. I know for the last year, three or four months, all of the people who are in it, have been showing behind-the-scenes footage footage of pictures mm-hmm. and all the different trailers that have come out, and I was I was very excited, and unlike The Legendary War, which I will publicly admit wasn't exactly what we thought it was going to be, I don't even think Jason thought it was what it was going to be, yeah. um, he definitely said that this is definitely Green Ranger approved from the time that he started filming it, so mm-hmm. I had no doubts that we were going to get a treat, and I think we did. And to to, to back,
1: backtrack on one of your points, if you get the bad Green Ranger to, I mean, the bad Tommy to grow, which I almost segued into it, no, there is no more epic point in the whole series than when the Green Ranger was large, like the Megazord. Right. And that, he is the only Ranger that I know of that has ever been that big, as, that, as a Ranger. Well, the
0: Zero Rangers got big at the very end of Zeo, I think they just ran out of things to do, mm-hmm. and when Jason lost the Gold Ranger power and they gave it back to Trey, they... All grew and fought Zed and Rita, and I was just like, "Come on, you know." I think they were kind of stone themselves, but mm-hmm. as far as meaningful growing, yes, that was the only time a Ranger yeah. grew. And I think I made the comment to you weren't here yet. I made the comment to our other buddy, but I was like, "Man, he is so much more agile than that Megazord all grown. This is not <laughs> a fair fight." <laughs> and and
1: you, you would sit back and think, "Why don't they just do that?" Right. I mean, I mean the, the Megazords fighting each other is it's very blocky and everything like that. It's still fun. Still fun to watch them come together. Still fun to watch the animals, but uh, there's no more epic part than when I saw the Green Ranger with his with his uh, you know his sword of Gagnus darkness and the sword of darkness. Yep, uh, take down Megazord. I mean that's that's huge. And then I wish that was a part of this. You know, another thing I also wish with the with the evil Tommy is that if if they were clones, how did he not have the Swiss? Army Morther either, you know. Right. He was only able to be the Black Ranger, the, the, the dinosaur um uh dimension is what we're calling Right. Uh so that's all he was able to do. I was kinda why don't they interchange? That'd have been fun too. That would've right. been a, a dynamic that would have could have been explored, maybe more time. Right. But uh yeah, definitely. Um it was it was a great episode. Absolutely.
0: I enjoyed it. All right. Well that's our recap of Power Rangers twenty five. Hopefully we didn't spoil too much for you. Um most of the clips are already on YouTube. Um, I suggest you go out there and check it out. Um, or you'll have to wait for Super Mega Force to come out on DVD probably sometime early next year. I think they'll finish up some episodes and then it'll be out on DVD early next year. Um, so stay tuned. we got a few thoughts on the Indians coming up here and then we'll wrap things up tonight. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed uh, that Tribe Talk. Uh, now we're going to get into the geek segment of the show. Uh, We're going to give Power Rangers and Star Wars and things like that a break this week. Uh, We've kind of hit that pretty heavy the first uh, two weeks. But right now, we're going to get into some WWE talk. Jay and I have been big wrestling fans for many, many years. I I mean, this is going to be
1: one of my favorite segments to do. And and I'm going to implore TK to let me do it more often to let my inner WWE out. When I tell you I'm a WWE fan, I am from WWF era. I don't even remember a time where I didn't watch wrestling don't I I, ever since I've had memories you know everybody has that moment when you started remembering stuff wrestling was part of those first memories
0: you know I uh didn't watch a lot of stuff that was you know as as uh as risque you could say or as violent as WWE when I was younger it took you know till I was 12 years old to watch something other than a Disney movie um credit to my parents for that though you know I think they were trying to look out for certain things like that but then we moved to Medina um my buddy Adam Cerny and his two brothers always into it, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. When I saw Stone Cold for the first time, clashing the beers together, flicking off Vince McMahon, filling up his Corvette with cement, taking him out to the ring, acting like he was going to shoot him if he didn't get a WWE title, title match, bringing the beer truck out and knocking Shane and Vince and The Rock out with beer. Oh my gosh, I was hooked. And then my dad saw this guy and my dad was like, man, this guy gets to beat up his boss. This is pretty cool. So we, needless to say, we were hooked. We started getting the pay-per-views. We had DirecTV at the time. Funny story, good old, good old Chris K., my dad. He didn't know that you get a free replay back in the day right after the show, so you could tape it or come back if you didn't, You didn't. Know, there there's an eruption or whatever. Big storm comes out. We've got the satellite on the corner of the house, which is very tough to go up on during the day, let alone in a wind, rainstorm at night. And he goes, well, son of a gun, I paid $40. bucks. i am watching Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is going to come through. So that crazy guy went on our roof in the middle of a thunderstorm, yelling down to us, making sure that we could get that pay per view in for him. For me to come down and say, "You do know that we get a free replay," and I was going to tape it for you, right? Oh no!
1: <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. Oh, Dad wasn't happy that day. That was a fun memory.
1: <laughs> that is. A, that is a great <laughs> memory. But to 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 just piggyback on it, that's how exciting wrestling was and and and, and is, I should say that you're willing to risk getting electrocuted to watch these men
0: actually get electrocuted and beat each other up. Yeah, I tell you, there was a lot of fun uh, back in the in the day with the Attitude Era, which I know we're going to hit it on in a few minutes. But I had the opportunity this past weekend, shout out to my boys uh, Nate and Kevin, again, um, we got to go to WWE NXT out there in, in Warren. Nice little two 3,000 seat place, nothing crazy. Uh, quite honestly, other than the guy screaming behind me, who I still can't believe he was married based off how he was dressed, how he looked, and how he was screaming, his wife said nothing, did nothing, and looked the other way the entire night, which was hilarious. It was a great show. Um, and and I wore my old school Zack Ryder Broski t-shirt that said, take care, spike your hair on the back, and then had like his Broski band on the top with the spiked hair in his face. So I take a picture of it and I send it to him saying, hey, you know, wearing my retros at Zack Ryder uh, t-shirt at uh, at NXT Warren? And uh, no reception in there, but we're sitting there and my phone buzzes. I'm like, what could that be? Zack Ryder liked my tweet. Shout out to you, Zack. You were one of my favorite guys on the roster. I wish they would use you better. I think you're a great talent. You're good on the mic. Why you're not on Raw each week is a mystery to me. But woo, 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 you know it. And and that's awesome. I was super jealous
1: about that. Uh, you know, I've I've never got any interaction from from any WWE star, and I've I've watched it longer. And and so I was a little jealous. I gotta I gotta step my game up.
0: Yeah, and you should come with us next time. I know that we're gonna try right. to uh, kind of made a pact, and you're more than welcome to join us. But I think at least once a month or every six weeks, we're gonna try and find just a different local promotion that's throwing a show and just go out there and see and watch different promotions. Show them some love. Get out there and just. Because we've gone to NXT the last two years and we loved it. But why not go out, show some of these other things, you know, other promotions some love and just see what else is out there and just be entertained for a night? Because places like that, you'll go for 10, 20 bucks. You'll get two, three hours of entertainment from local people who are just like you and I and maybe, maybe get involved one day.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and, and uh, to piggyback on that, I kind of wanted to be involved. And one day I've actually tried a wrestling camp before, it was painful. And, This is why I have more respect than most people give those people uh, because I've actually tried it, and it is painful. Regardless if I know how to fall or not, it is
0: painful. It might be predetermined, and you might know who's going to win before you go out there, but if you don't trust the guy you're in the ring with to catch you when you're coming off the ropes or to throw you the right way in the ring, it's still very real physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, you you know it's predetermined, but people can get hurt. People can get seriously hurt, and people can die. So... People might say, oh, wrestling's fake, wrestling's fake. Yeah, it's predetermined, but these guys are willing to put their bodies, and women are willing to put their bodies on the line for our entertainment. And for that, I'll be a fan, because somebody who's willing to do that, knowing that down the line this could shorten their life expectancy or maybe have them get to a point where they can't get around like they once did, wheelchair-bound, whatnot, they'll have my respect, they'll have my admiration, and I will always be willing to watch and see what they'll do next. And and I'll tell you, with, with the athletes, and I call them athletes
1: in the WWE the reason why I say this, because your supreme athletes that you wanted, uh, that you see every day, your football players, your basketball players, they've tried to cross over and they haven't been successful. Uh, you know, there's a few people in there that have been like your Goldberg, who was, you know, a former defensive end. The Rock, they he, they've been successful, but they had those it factors to them. That's that, that's not normal. That, that's not a normal success rate. Uh, you know, so I respect these athletes for what they do, because they are actually some of the best athletes in the world. And it's been proven, you know, Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. I mean, you know, Ronda Rousey, you know, Olympic medalist, Olympic medalist. You yep. know, these these people are accomplished. Dolph Ziggler, if people don't know, he is Kent State's all time wrestling wins
0: wrestling champion. So these are these are legit people. And I mean, what they have to go through, they're on the road, they're away from their family. So they definitely have my respect. Going back to the show, man, I really enjoyed it because it was pure wrestling. Don't get me wrong. I love watching Raw and SmackDown and seeing promos, guys talking smack to each other. But when I go to what is literally the minor leagues of WWE, this NXT is run by Triple H. It's booked by Triple H. He's got the final say. Vince has nothing to do with this, which we'll talk about more about that later. It was just good old fashioned wrestling. Ricochet. He's going to be a star. Tyler Breeze, he was there, made a special appearance. He was also on Raw Monday night. They stole the show. That match was fantastic. Johnny Gargano needs to be on that main roster soon. Him and Tommaso Ciampa, oh my gosh, what a triple threat match they had for the for the NXT title. It was just the athleticism alone was phenomenal. I, it was 50 bucks well spent just seeing people going out there and doing what they love in front of 1500 people. So that brings me to, to my question for you, TK uh, would you're basically
1: thinking when I, what I'm getting at is do you think NXT is better than the main roster?
0: I think NXT is booked better than the main roster. I think that their long-term success is looked at more in NXT than it is on the main roster. Um, I think that, um, you know, I think Vince has kind of lost it a little bit when it comes to booking and how, you know, maybe the top superstars are treated um, I think that he's kind of lost touch a little bit with the times. Um, I think I read an article today where John Cena getting the mixed reaction that he got for as long as he did changed Vince's thinking on how to get top guys over. And that because Roman is such a polarizing figure that what worked for Cena is going to work for Roman. I don't necessarily think that's true because I think John Cena is 10 times a showman Roman Reigns will ever be. Is Roman Reigns a better professional wrestler as far as in the ring and you know moves and being able to t- tell a story that way? Yes. Is John Cena the better entertainer where he can get over with song, promo? And he's not half that bad in the ring either, and he can actually tell a good story, but John Cena is more of a complete picture. Roman Reigns, like you said, off air, he needs a mouthpiece. He needs Paul Heyman. He needs somebody to come in and be his mouth, so that way his muscle can talk for him. John Cena could do it all. If you if you think about some of the, the more uh, uh, imposing
1: figures – in 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 wrestling to 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 think back think of one guy i love to always bring up who eventually ended up being by himself because he outgrew his manager the undertaker the undertaker didn't say anything for years the only thing you got out of the undertaker was rest in peace that's all you got for three years and paul bear was his mouthpiece because the Undertaker didn't have the mic skills. But as time went on and managers became a thing of the past, the Undertaker had to learn to speak. What they did to Roman Reigns was they were just like, dude, go out there and get on the mic. Roman, Roman Reigns wasn't ready for that. He's still not ready for that. He doesn't, he doesn't have the communication skills that are needed, uh, the charisma that is needed to communicate with the fans.
0: I need him to be behind Paul Heyman like Brock Lesnar was. Another thing, too, that they do these days that they didn't do back then is, you know, they would write, you know, Vince and his creative team, they'd write TV and they basically would give guys, I, you know, here's what we'd like you to touch on, but make it your own stand, your character. So Undertaker knows his character, knows what gets over. John Cena knows his character, knows what gets over. Same with Glock, same with Stone Cold Steve Austin. They can hold the crowd in the palm of their hand and change their reaction, their emotion with a word. When you have writers who don't know anything, who'd never been in wrestling, never watched wrestling, coming up to a guy and saying, here, say this. Giving him a promo, that doesn't work because it's not in character. So when you have the old school guys like Austin come back and Rock come back and even Cena, they don't go up to Cena and do that. Why? Because they've earned it. You can't go up to a guy and say, this is what we want you to say on live TV verbatim. Because nowadays promos sound like they're rehearsing it, that they're just, it's a play, that they're, here. here's what we need you to say memorize it and go out there. That's not what a promo is. That doesn't captivate the audience. It doesn't hold them in the palm of their hand. If I'm listening to Roman Reigns talk at home, I'm boring, boring. (laughs) And and there was something
1: to be said. I I don't know what happened to this, but the catchphrase. Where is the catchphrase at? The catchphrases were a way to connect with your fans. When you say this phrase, the fans know that this is you talking and and everybody knows. Like, if you smell what The Rock is cooking or – and that's the bottom line, because Stone, Cold Stone Cold so. so. You know, uh, I'm the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. I'm the cerebral assassin, things like that. When those things are said, you know who it is. And, and, and to me, I was just thinking about it as you were talking. These characters all had a persona that went along with their sayings. Who is Roman Reigns? What is he supposed to be? I don't even know what his character is supposed to be. And I know we're outdated with, with characters and things like that, but we know who John Cena is. He, you know, he's a good American, wholesome guy. And he's good. he's holding the values. He wants you to, basically, he's the modern-day Hulk Hogan. He wants you to eat your vitamins and say your prayers. You know who John Cena is. But who is Roman Reigns? What is he? What type of person is he?
0: Michael Cole's his mouthpiece. The only thing I know Roman Reigns for is
1: Superman Punch! Stop! <laughs> and 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 that's what i that's what i look at when i when i look at it like everybody has a character even dean ambrose he's supposed to be uh, uh, you know psychotic and out of his mind and everything like that and and seth rollins is supposed to be the architect and he's always doing type of stuff even though they've kind of gone away from that you know you know finn Balor, he's a demon you know things like that these guys all have characters but roman reigns character is just out there in limbo is he a swat guy uh, is he a muscle guy? Is, is he, he just he's a, a brute strength guy? Yeah, is yeah. he? I don't know what he is, and so that's what bothers me about Roman Reigns. Is he just has no path? They just want him to be champion because of his look. He's just an imposing figure. Which sometimes, even in his matches, he doesn't even look like an imposing figure. You know, he. I just don't understand what they want out of Roman Reigns, and the fans don't
0: either. This is why he gets some mixed reaction. Exactly, and if you bring out a few years ago. If you bring out the rock to come out and get try to put this guy over and they boo the rock out of the building, that should tell you something. Stop shoving him down my throat. He's more tolerable now that I can watch Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose with the shield. But Roman by himself, I mean, the only reason I'm really watching this Sunday is because I like Braun Strowman and Mick Foley is going to be the guest referee of that Absolutely. match. Absolutely, Celebrating 20 years of hell in a cell. Other than that. Roman I I would hope that he would drop it to Braun Strowman and I think that they're dropping the ball with Book and Braun Strowman. Why did you turn him heel? And, and and because I mean the,
1: the Braun Strowman was becoming the the uh, a character fa- I, man tell me that run, when he runs people over on 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 the side of the r- ring is not golden. That's like the funniest thing I've ever watched in my entire life.
0: Absolutely. And his promos even though they might sound a little scripted, I can believe it because he's so large, he's so massive and if I was in a ring with him Good night. I'm done. Retired. Bye-bye. Right. And, and with Ron Strowman,
1: I don't expect anything more than fee-fi-fo-fum out of him. Right. I, you know, I don't want him to, to talk my ear off. And sometimes I hate now with his new faction with the, you know, Dolph and and, and uh, Drew McIntyre. I hate that they even have him being the front man. Dolph Ziggler is perfect for that. He can be the mouthpiece uh, because he's the
0: smaller guy and he's should be talking for those two big brutes. But well, don't forget that Dolph Ziggler. I, in my opinion, I think he's a Man event championship caliber type talent. He can do it in the ring. He's got the look. He's got the skill. He's got the charisma, and he can play a great heel or he can play a great face. But that, you know, that that brings me to where I, I have the feeling
1: that it seems like WWE just has way too much talent and not enough time on their hands for either show. I know they they, they explored cutting the rosters in half so they'd have more time, but they're not even. Really managing their time well on that can't even build a storyline. And, and and to your point, which you had said earlier, you know, SmackDown has the better storylines, and they do. I mean, I really feel Becky Lynch and Charlotte Fair's, uh rivalry right now. I feel it. I feel like Becky Lynch feels scored, um, even though I can't understand a word she's saying because of her accent. But I feel, I feel that rivalry. I feel Samoa Joe and 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 AJ, AJ Styles' rivalry. I feel it in there, and that's the type of stuff we used to watch. Back in the day on Raw, where you were right. like, I can't believe this guy is this appalling. Ah, man, I hope AJ Styles gets him at the pay-per-view. You know, that's the type of stuff that has been going on. So, you know, I'm I'm afraid right now there's just way too much talent right now to, to go around. There's a lot of good people, like you mentioned, Dolph Ziggler, that, uh, you know, has main event caliber talent, but they've mid-carded him, and, and it's sad. And he's it? stuck there. And and yeah, and there's a lot of people stuck there. Just rattling off the top of my head, some of of the people that, 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 that upset me to this day, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, and Shinsuke Nakamura were main event caliber talent in NXT, and they proved that they could put on good matches. In fact, all three of them have faced one another at some point and put on a match where the fans chanted wrestle forever, which they should still be wrestling right now. They are mid carders, and it is sad. I am so sad that that Finn Balor has been mid carded to Baron Cor Co- uh, Baron, Baron Corbin. Right. I, I I don't. I never thought Baron Corbin was that amazing a wrestler. He's a big dude. He's a good. T- he's a decent talent,
0: but Finn he's Balor a typical is typical mid carder. Yes, Finn Balor is way past him. He's got the look. He can talk. He's got. He can be Finn. He can be Demon Finn. He's got skills in the ring. He's got charisma with the fans. He's your entire package. If he was four inches taller, he'd be sitting where Roman Reigns is. But AJ Styles is no much taller than Finn Balor. Right. But AJ Styles has all the intangibles that that Finn Balor has on a little bit of a higher level. However, why did you give this guy the universal title? You put it on him, and then he gets hurt, and you never really give him another shot until Roman Reigns comes out and gives him a shot a few weeks ago. Finn Balor is a future of this company. Vince needs to wake up and see that now and book this talent differently. Raw is just losing audience. I can't watch it for three straight hours. I have to go to Monday Night Football. I have to go to reruns of Friends. I can't sit there for three hours and see Roman Reigns in the main event every single week.
1: And it's and you know and if it was to your point, if it was The Rock because he was charismatic, six foot five, two hundred seventy five pounds of charisma. That's who I could watch every week. Right. Roman Reigns is not that guy. He doesn't wrestle a match that tells me a story that. I need to understand who Roman Reigns is because one minute Roman Reigns is getting beat down and I'm like, Finn Balor is like half your size. Why are you on your back right now? Like you should be tossing Finn Finn Balor across the ring because isn't that who you're supposed to be? Right. But I guess that's not who he's supposed to be. Uh, So I don't understand Roman Reigns. I'm with you. And I, and I want Roman Reigns because he has the look, but when he first appeared on the shield, I loved him because he was behind the scenes muscle guy. That's who he was. I was like, who is that guy behind Dean Ambrose who's talking? Man, he looks like he will mess everybody up. That's the Roman Reigns I like. I don't like the Roman Reigns that's right right here with the Universal title on his shoulder.
0: No. But, you know, Braun's I think almost ready for it. I'd like to see them give it to him. Uh, but then and then give somebody like um, you know Dean a shot or Seth a shot. Um, I'd like to see them move the Miz back to Raw and get let Miz go after the Universal title. In my opinion, Miz is one of the best guys they have going right now. He can wrestle, he can talk, he can he's a great heel. I mean, he, he's not that great of a face, but man, when I watch him on TV, I can't stand him, but at the same time I love it because he's doing what he's supposed to do. That's his job. And 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 man, you hit the nail
1: on the head. The Miz is my favorite wrestler ever. And and I will go on re- record not ever. Let's go back. Take that back. He's my favorite wrestler right now because he is that total package. He is charisma. He is a great wrestler. He's a great storyteller. Uh, he, Him and Daniel Bryan's rivalry right now, I love that rivalry because it makes me hate Miz even more because the way he just degrades Daniel Bryan to his face like he's a child. And then it's like when he gets his face punched off, you're like, yeah, yeah. That's how it's supposed to be. Yep. And I feel like when the Miz had the title, they didn't set him up right, but he still carried the title. The best I've seen in a long time. I, I don't, I can't even think of a title run besides CM Punk after him that was better. I, I can't. I can't remember that a, a title run that went better than, than the
0: Miz's except for CM Punk. Right, and it was at a time and maybe he wasn't ready to be the guy. But now that he's ready to be the guy – I can't wait to see this rivalry continue because I'd like to eventually see it be for the WWE title. Right. And I would love
1: for Daniel Bryan to get the title back uh, at some point. And what better to do it than, you know, after months and months of being screwed over by the Miz, he it finally breaks through at WrestleMania and finally gets the title. That's, right. that's what I want to see.
0: Now that he signed his extension, I think that we'll see uh, Daniel Bryan more in main event uh, things like statuses like that. Um, So, over the last few weeks, we found out that there's a super showdown pay-per-view. It's kind of like a mini WrestleMania coming to Melbourne, Australia. The big match on the card that they've been promoting on Raw right now is going to be Undertaker versus Triple H one final time. They've had Undertaker on. They've had Shawn Michaels on. Him and Shawn Michaels had a classic encounter a few weeks ago where Shawn basically came out and said, the reason I haven't come back, I haven't come back for a payday. Guys beat down my door every WrestleMania season. I don't come back out of respect for you and what we had at WrestleMania. And then Taker fires back with, is it respect or is it fear? And I was just like, that was classic Taker. Like that just hit me. I was like, that's good storytelling. I really believe that he means what he's saying.
1: And that's, that's the, and that's what it was. These guys, when, when you, when you feel it, you feel like this, the backstage has come up front. Like you feel like they the beef that they would have back there is, is out on the, in this ring right now. Absolutely, and, and, and and it's sad because these three men should be able to sit on their couch and be retired, but they have to keep coming back to keep selling shows because the talent right now is nowhere
0: as, as good as what we had back in the 90s. Nowhere. Well, and Vince is paying top dollar to some of these old guy, old school guys to come back and wrestle because this is what's being requested by the fans of the show. Exactly. Shows. This is a once-in-a-lifetime exactly. thing, so we want to see Taker – we want to see Shawn Michaels. I think you're going to see Shawn Michaels be the special guest referee of that match. I think he's going to cost Taker the match because Triple H has put over Taker twice at WrestleMania in their last two bouts and I think that's going to set up Triple or Shawn Michaels and Undertaker for WrestleMania and Michaels is going to come out of retirement. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs>
1: that that is sounds like something I can get on board with. I I mean, I feel bad because the Undertaker's body looks like it's breaking down on him and he doesn't look like he's getting any stronger but he he's he's powering through these matches. And uh, and, uh, you know, my only hope is that that it doesn't sour the first two uh, confrontations that they had, because those two matches are the best two matches ever for me.
0: Right. Ever. I'm sorry. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker two years in a row. Two of the best ever. matches I've ever seen. And there's, there's, there's not, there's not a better, there's not a
1: better, there's not a better match out there that I have seen. And, and I will say, you would take any other
0: two people and put them in a the ring. They didn't have a
1: better match than that match
0: right there. Absolutely not. So, what else you got on your WWE uh, agenda tonight, my friend? What else can we get into for you? So, you know, one thing that I, I wanted to, to, to get into was I, I do
1: like the NXT better. I think the, the NXT has, like you said, better booking and everything like that. Um, one guy I want really want people to look out for is the Velveteen Dream, man. He is got the total package. He's an upcoming star. He knows how to tell a story in the ring, and he's the type of heel like The Miz where you just want to see him get his face punched off because he he's cocky and he's char- charismatic, and he has it. My only fear is that if he comes up, will he get buried? because he's the Velveteen Dream down in NXT, and they're all in favor of having your character and everything like that. But once you get to WWE, you somehow lose some who you are. So I, I want That's Velveteen- my biggest fear for Johnny Gargano if they bring him up now. He's going to get lost in the midcard. I-, I feel like Tommaso Ciampa too. They're both the same size as all the midcarders that that get put up there, and so it's my my, my fear. But keep a lookout for Velveteen Dream, Uh, you know, he had one of the best matches I've seen in a long time with him and Aleister Black. They really told a story when they faced each other. Um, And I thought Velveteen Dream was the better wrestler, even though uh the better character, I should say, than Aleister Black. I like Aleister Black and what he does. He's, he's so, so epic. But Velveteen Dream really made their match for me. So... I want him to come up and I want it, but they he the only way I want him to come up is if they're gonna use him in a story, if they're gonna storytell with him, because if without that, he's just lost. Right. He's lost in the shuffle. So I, I wanted to get that out there. There's also a great Twitter account uh out there. Uh and we give a shout out to 90s WWE on Twitter. Uh they retweet uh, and tweet pictures and old pictures and videos of epic moments. And the attitude era, you know, one of those moments being the cement uh, in the Corvette. Hilarious. One of the, And, and they, they tweet that type of stuff. So I just wanted to get a quick shout out to them, because without that and scrolling through my timeline and seeing Stone Cold stunning the rock in epic fashion, my day is lost.
0: Right. They tweeted out something not too long ago. I think you favorited it or retweeted it and I saw it. But I have never heard a pop from a crowd. And this was the night that Eric Bischoff came on WCW television and said, Mick Foley's winning the WWF title. Stone Cold Steve Lawson's coming back. Screw them. Come watch my show now because you know it's going to happen. There's no need to go. Well, that did the exact opposite. Everybody turned off Nitro and then went back. Well, how is Stone Cold coming back? When that glass hit, you thought a bomb had gone off inside that arena. That place went crazy and I still watch it to this day and the hair on the back of my neck stands up. That music hits, Stone Cold comes to the ring he lays out the rock with a chair and then you got Mick Foley as your new WWF champion and then just Mick throwing salt in the wound of Vince. Hey Vince, you know this feels pretty damn good and Shane (laughs) McMahon's screaming, I hate him! And it was just like oh my gosh and Stone Cold flicks him off, throws his hat at him Man,
1: that those were the times. Oh man, hated ain't, ain't the truth. And and to, to to piggyback on that, you know, it, it does give me goosebumps because that that era was probably the greatest era they, that it had. And it's it's, it's going to be tough to to match that. But at the same token, there was no rules back then. It felt like it, you know, you go out there, you go out and get the brass ring, you make it happen, and that's what those characters did. They went with their with their ability to just with the freedom. They went out there and did what they could. And and I don't know if that 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 has been taken, the, the freedom has been taken back. That's what happens when you become a publicly traded company and you have shareholders telling <laughs> you what to put on television. And and that and that's probably what has happened to WWE that, to their detriment. But, uh, you know, I, that era was so free. It was so fun. It was so rebellious that, I, I you know, everything that happened back then, you, you, you know, you look at moments and you're just like, I, I remember what I was doing when this epic moment happened.
0: right, you know? and, I, and I have to get this off my chest just because I've done some research on it too. And I listened to uh, shout out to Jim Cornette. I love Jim Cornette's podcast. It is not a family friendly podcast, but Mr. Cornette, sir, I applaud you. The fact that Vince Russo, the captain of talent, as we like to call him takes credit for writing the attitude era. No, no, you could not mess up having Steve Austin in his prime the undertaker in his prime the rock in his prime uh triple h in his prime uh g generation x everything that they had there is no way that you can take credit for that because look at your track record after that mr russo you went to wcw and they fired you twice somehow you became wcw champion you're a joke you're a fraud and then you go to tna and you run everybody out including jeff jarrett you're a fraud you got fired from them not once but twice and then when spike found out that you were working for them they pulled their deal with TNA so russo get off your attitude era bandwagon you're garbage nobody likes you and you did nothing good for this business
1: <laughs> and, and 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 Vince uh, Vince Russo man you know you you leave a pile of bodies behind you I, you know I had a lot of hopes for impact and then, you know the stars that went there the the people from WWE they 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 were betting on you they wanted to help you make the company better and you ran them right back to WWE and made WWE the powerhouse that it is today and no one can touch it there's there's no one that can touch it right now and the closest i think right now is um New Japan they they're the they're they're the closest and they're not even in
0: our country and you could stop emailing Vince every week for your job back. McMahon, he, he doesn't care. The fact that you had the gall to take more money from WCW and not walk into Vince McMahon's office, or even to the TV taping you were supposed to help write that night back 20 years ago, and at least shake the man's hand and say you were leaving just shows the kind of stones that you have and shows what your true colors really are. Everything Jim Cornette has said about you is true. Um, I don't wish the things to happen to you that Jim Cornette does. Cause I am, I am a believer of God. However, Stay away from the wrestling business. You've done nothing but hurt it, tarnish it, and nobody ever wants to work with you again. Now that I'm off my Vince Russo soapbox, and I'm going to tweet this at the Jim Cornette tonight as well, we were talking off air. Shawn Michaels is possibly coming out of retirement. Who is one or two uh, former people that still might wrestle nowadays and might even make appearances that you would like to see in a dream match that maybe hasn't happened yet or you'd like to see it again? And who are a couple of guys now on the roster? either SmackDown, NXT, um, Raw. Who you would like to see HBK in a dream match with? You know, I think I've I've seen uh, to the first que- question. I think I've seen
1: Shawn Michaels pretty much do it all with who I would need to. Jericho w- would be another one I would would have loved to see again. Jericho seems to be hitting on all cylinders right now. Um, and they had
0: a fantastic feud back then with Jericho's yes. character. Now that would be a wonderful feud for them to have, right?
1: Um, you know, but the 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 two people. Um, I would love to see Shawn Michaels do battle with, uh, first and foremost, AJ Styles. I would love to see that match go down. Uh, they, You're looking
0: at two of the greatest in the history of the wrestling
1: business to ab- go add to Absolutely. That. Both both have the show-stopping qualities. I mean, they really put their bodies on the line. But even more than that, the the guy I want to see is Daniel Bryan and Shawn Michaels. I mean – Mentor versus mentee right there. I, I I would love to see them go to battle and 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 make it personal with each other because it was mentor and mentee. I feel that story could be huge, and I feel that the, the moments in those matches, would would be epic, and we we would get to the, the standing on the, the hair standing on the back of our neck, wrestling forever. This is awesome
0: moments with those two for sure. Those could be that could be a main event of WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels or Daniel Bryan. That would sell the place out. Oh, you could would, put that on last, even without a title on the line, and it's going to draw the money you're looking to draw. Absolutely, you 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 could put it on first, and if you put it on the first, we might not watch the
1: rest of uh, yeah, WrestleMania because uh, it just. You know, those two those two guys are. They go out there and they leave everything out there. I don't even know how Shawn Michaels is still walking with some of the, the things he took, some of the bumps he put himself through through matches just to impress us. And it's the same with Daniel Bryan. This is why he got injured. And you know, Daniel Bryan's wrestling better, but uh, I feel like when you go against when you go against Shawn Michaels. The, the show-stopping performer, you go to put your body on the line. And I feel like AJ Styles and, and Daniel Bryan are both built for, for an epic match with Shawn Michaels.
0: I would like to see Shawn Michaels take on Finn Balor. I think Finn Balor has so much talent. He's underutilized. I really think that a match with Shawn Michaels would open eyes, even Vince McMahon's eyes, to say, hey, this guy is the, the next generation star for us. This guy can carry this company on his shoulders. Look what he just did with Shawn Michaels. And then I can't decide between both of them, so I would say do a triple threat match. Give me HBK versus Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. Because I think Dolph Ziggler, like I've told you before, maybe because he's a local guy, the guy's got all the talent in the world. Shout out to you, you, Dolph. Um, And Seth Rollins, again, too, the architect. How could you not want to see those three guys battled out? You could do it for the Intercontinental title, and that would be a believable story.
1: Yeah, and, you know, there's another guy I want to add into there because he seemed to be mid-carded, and I think he may be getting frustrated with it. Or they may be using the storyline that he's frustrated. I think Kevin Owens
0: with Shawn Michaels would be a great match
1: too. That would be a fantastic um,
0: match. The brawler against the Speedster. Absolutely.
1: And 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 you know, Shawn Michaels takes bumps very well. So he would be able to sell kevin Owens powers, and Kevin Owens sells moves very well as as well. So their their match together would 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 be fantastic and have a lot of great moments in it as well. Um, you know, I, I'm upset because Kevin Owens came in with a bang. He he came in he made John Cena look like a fool, which should have put him over. And when he took the NXT championship, raised it up, and stomped on the United States championship, that was a statement to me that Kevin Owens was, was here. And ever since that moment, ever since they gave him the title and then they, they kind of sandbagged him when Goldberg
0: came back, Kevin Owens hasn't been the same, and I hate it for him. You know, I think a lot of that, too. I, Vince McMahon wants him to lose some weight. This has been well-documented. Vince isn't happy with his weight. Um, so even though they signed him you know, some of these long-term deals, he signed a five-year deal not that long ago. Uh, me and my buddy were talking about it this past weekend. Um, I agree. Maybe, you know, you do need to shed a little bit of it, but that's no reason to keep a guy of that caliber or that talent as a mid-carder because he's one of the most explosive guys on the mic, one of the most explosive guys in the ring, and he can tell a believable story. And for a show that's lacking that at the top, you need all the help you can get there, in my opinion. I mean, the man could, the man's 300 pounds. and could do a
1: moonsault. He's, he's basically Vader. So right.
0: what, what, what is Vince doing? Well, I think Vince is a little out of the times, you know, back, going back to 2011, those uh, CM Punk promos, you know, basically Vince McMahon does you know, he's lost the touch with what professional wrestling is. And he's stuck in this eighties and early nineties mindset where you've got to be this gargantuan sized monster with muscles on top of muscles like warrior was, or like rock walls, or like Hogan was. Um, but you know, times have changed people. The style of wrestling has changed. It's not sports entertainment. It's professional wrestling. So please stop calling it sports entertainment. It is professional wrestling. Everywhere else you go, they call it wrestling, not except WWE. That is another big gripe I have that we'll save for another time. But my my goodness, I even lost my, my my train of thought. But I just think Vince is out of touch with what a superstar should be in this day and age. And quite honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing when Vince does step aside Um that what Triple H and I think even Shane to a certain extent uh, can do, because I think Shane's a little more in tune with things as well. Um, As much as, you know, people bag on the authority on screen, I really think that they do a pretty good job off screen promoting the company, doing things for charity. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing the post Vince McMahon era. Uh, Maybe that will um, bring to light some of these guys who have been stuck in the mid card and give them. After 635 long days. One in three quarter years. Finally, the Browns have come back to the win column. Baker, Baker, the touchdown maker, saves the day. And the Cleveland Browns find themselves in the thick of the AFC North race. And with that, welcome to the TK and J show. I am TK. And I am Jay. Man, oh man, what a week we had.
1: Yeah, man, what a week, what a week, it's a week for winners, that's, I'm telling you that right now, we are better than 16 teams in the NFL right now, say that
0: again, we are better than 16 teams in the NFL right now. And our defense, honestly, is probably better than 26 or seven teams in the NFL right now, and that's not rosy Homer glasses, the stats speak for themselves, they have 11 turnovers in three games. That is an incredible start for this young defense.
1: Yeah, and we're we're playing on all cylinders on that side of the ball and it's exciting because defense wins championships and Baker Mayfield is all he needs to do is do something special and we're going to win a
0: championship. Oh man. So, before we get too crazy and get everything out of control, my man Jay, how was your week? The week was uh it was special cuz the Browns won.
1: So the week was great. Nothing else mattered. The Browns won.
0: Yeah, same here. You know, Browns win on the Thursday. I played golf on Sunday. I had seven birdie putts. I only made one of them. However, the score reflected that I had seven birdie putts, and I wasn't chipping all over the courts. So that was fun. Perfect day out there to do that. Um, had to take the dog to the vet yesterday. She got some kind of crazy rash. And shout out to my sister's work. She works at the vet's office. They got her all taken care of, and she's in much better shape and mood today.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. Uh you know, the weather The weather took a turn this week. I felt like Ohio, as soon as the fall came, it said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and shut off the heat. So, you know, the days have been tolerable, but colder at night. And so it's amazing that you got out there and got some golf in before it actually starts to snow
0: next week. It's not going to snow <laughs> next week, Jay. Don't be talking like that. You're going to get off this podcast so fast your head will spin. We don't say that word. I have two words for you, friend. El
1: Nino. <laughs> and I'm hoping that we have a warmer You know winter this year because we paid we paid the price last winter and I'm right now currently as we speak sitting in shorts. So I guess the cold doesn't
0: bother me that much. I mean I sit in shorts at home regardless of what time of the year it is. I don't care. You'll find me going outside to get the mail taking out the trash if it's 30 degrees outside if it's 20 degrees outside I'll stand outside with the dogs. I even grill in snowstorms man I don't care and I'll grill in my shorts. You are crazy man. You're crazy. (laughs) This is true. I mean, um, my wife certainly didn't marry me for my, uh, my uh, head or my, um, my uh, common sense, to say, to say the least.
1: I'd say your boyish good looks would do it.
0: Well, yeah, some days that gets me by, I guess. <laughs> some people say it's the blue eyes, but I don't know. I don't look at them. <laughs> so, ways you guys can get a hold of us. I had some people asking me how they could get a hold of the show, so I went ahead and uh, threw it out there. Uh, You can, through the Anchor app, leave us a voicemail. And yes, I am recording. I can't tell you how many times we have gotten into a great debate or a great discussion. Five minutes into it, I look down and I'm like, "Well, son of a gun, we ain't recording. Let's let's do that again. So Jay's looking over like, dude, are we talking right now? Yes, 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 we are. (laughs) Yeah, he saw me
1: slide over a little bit and I wanted to make sure because we started out hot and then all of a sudden we're usually not recording.
0: Right. (laughs) So you can uh, leave us a voicemail on the Anchor app. You can email us, TKandJshow at Yahoo.com. Or you can tweet at us at J-A-E underscore TK. So we both had great weeks because the Browns won. So let's just jump right into some Browns and Jets talk. Um, I'm not going to be too negative too long, but I don't know how much worse Tyrod Taylor could have looked. 4-14 Four of for 19 yards left the game with concussion-like symptoms. Uh, when that kid entered the field, man, I tell you what, the entire complexity, the entire mindset of that team changed, and it was it was something I haven't felt since this team came back in 99.
1: You want to know one thing I noticed about Baker Mayfield, and, and this was even before Tyrod uh, actually went out of the game. So we're talking maybe second quarter. I have a good friend of mine, a coworker, who he's a season ticket holder, and he he pays attention to stuff like this. And he's telling me that you should have seen Baker Mayfield on the sideline, helmet on, pace him back and forth after every time the Browns looked bad on offense. Baker was ready to come in this game, whether Tyrod got injured or not. So Baker was – he was going to set this world on fire because he knew that he was only going to have this chance to do it, to make a break, to prove to – Hugh Jackson, the Browns fans, that he deserves to be the starter, and Tyrod doesn't. So when he came in, he lit it on fire, and I'm happy for the kid.
0: Quite honestly, though, if you really look at it and read between the lines and a lot of what Hugh Jackson said, especially after the game, I really think the only one that Baker needed to prove it to was Hugh Jackson because we knew he could come in and play special. I think Todd Haley knew we could come in and play special because the way that kid threw the ball, he got the ball out quick. He made quick decisions. He threaded the needle. He wasn't afraid. So I think, as so I read somebody's joke on Twitter, Tom Haley was actually able to turn the page to page two of his playbook and actually start calling some plays.
1: <laughs> that's great. And, so. and, 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 and that's exactly what Baker did. He didn't hold on to the ball. Uh, he saw that the rush was was heavy. He helped his offensive linemen out by getting the ball out. Uh, one, two, ball out. One, ball out. Or he's he's having that clock in his head that, oh, gosh, I've been back here for three to four seconds. I need to get out of the pocket. And that's that's a sign of a, a talented, talented athlete right
0: there. Absolutely. And also, too, I got to give props to the defense, too. They gave up two early touchdowns, no thanks to the offense, but, you know, when Tyrod was in there. Crowell, two touchdowns, and Crowell, no offense. Next week, Jay doesn't know this yet, but we're going to bring back a TK's tirade favorite. A lot of people love this. I used to do a segment, and I know this is a family-friendly show, but what's another name for a donkey? Ass. A jackass. So we're going to bring back the famous jackass list. And Mr. Crowell, you sir, are the president of the Jackass list. More to come on that next week. Good grief. But uh, you can't wipe the your butt with the ball and throw it in the stands. Come on, son. The people here actually enjoyed watching you play and appreciated what you did. It's not your fault that or the fans' fault that the front office didn't appreciate what you did. Get and, the hell out of my stadium. And,
1: and and you know the thing about it is is we all we all liked Crow before he went there. We all were cheering for Crow. And we all felt to him to be one of our better players. We almost had him second to, to Cribs. I mean, Cribs is like untouchable right now. And he's a, Cribs is at Bernie Kosar level. And Crow was in that second tier. It was like, you know, thank you for all that you did, man. You know, we appreciate it. You were in the same category as Peyton Hillis. Like, you know, even though he, Peyton Hillis wasn't here long, we felt, just enamored with the guy. And then all of a sudden he comes and does that and just basically spits in our face at the dog pound. And it's just like, dude, get out of here.
0: Right. There's no no need for you. That was a big turning point too, I think, because after that, that was after the second touchdown, the Browns are down 14, nothing. And I think the defense had a little bit more pep in their step after that. Um, When they were down 14, nothing, I felt like they were about to get blown out by four touchdowns. I thought the crowd was very restless. You heard Baker chance. They weren't trying to really talk about it. So the defense sacked up, and I just can't say enough, Baker freaking Mayfield, man. The guy was just – I haven't seen anything like that since 1999. Any of the 30 quarterbacks or 40 quarterbacks, whatever the heck the number is that we've seen, haven't come in and electrified a crowd the way this guy did on Thursday night.
1: And and when Drew Brees came out and gave the – basically the
0: nod to Baker
1: saying that he could be better than Drew Brees, which is an amazing compliment, by the way. I mean, to think that you could be better than Drew Brees – Uh, There's only two quarterbacks that are like that, and that's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. So to think that you're getting the third-best quarterback of maybe all times at tip of the cap, Baker came in and, and showed that, you know what, maybe he does have the potential to be, if not as good as the top five,
0: better than Drew Brees. Right, and that was a big thing from Drew Brees to come out and say, and the way Baker handled that with his comments following, I thought was very humble of him as well. Um, we talked about a key to the game last week was Carlos Hyatt having a breakout game and congrats to Carlos Hyatt on the birth of his child. We're happy for you. We're happy now, and baby are doing well. Um, you seem like a pretty stand up guy and I know you're going to be a great dad. Yeah, man. You, you, the man runs from the hospital
1: to the game, uh, literally and not, then back and then back right there. And, 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 I'm saying runs to the game. They literally saw him running from the hospital to get ready for the game. To go do that, so you know what? Next week, do the same thing, Carlos Hyde. Not have a baby by the chance, but go to the hospital, run to the game, even though it's in Oakland, and have a game, and then run back for us if you could.
0: Twenty-three carries, ninety-eight yards, two touchdowns. We we thought that that 2.5, 2.6 yards per carry was something that was a little low, and we thought they would get better, and it certainly did. Um, being able to have the run game like that really opened up some windows as well for Baker Mayfield. And if you can, as an offense rush over 100 yards in the game. That makes things so much easier on a rookie quarterback, and it opens up the playbook, and it opens up the lanes. They can't stack the box at the line of scrimmage. Carlos Hyde is a difference maker for this football team.
1: The Philly special, quote-unquote, or the Oklahoma special, whatever we want to call that play, that goes to Baker-Manfield for that touchdown, doesn't happen without Carlos Hyde getting as much average yards as he was he was amounting
0: when he was running the ball. right. Two-point conversion, No Baker, Baker's not that big of a legend. You have to get that touchdown. Yeah. Jarvis Landry um, had a few unbelievable catches, especially that one that Baker hit him when he got down to the five-yard line. Put it in a spot where only Jarvis Landry could get it. Landry, Jarvis saw it, caught it. It was a – that thing went on a zip line. It had so much zip on it. Eight receptions, 103 yards, another 100-yard game for this guy, and he can't stop talking about Baker Mayfield. Bless him. Bless him.
1: I'm gonna tell you the throws that Baker Mayfield was making was was literally what always people said about Baker was that he puts the ball where either his receiver is gonna get it or no one's gonna get it. And that throw to Jarvis Landry was really only where Jarvis Landry could get two hands on the ball. Even though the, the defensive back got one hand on there, it
0: was still for Jarvis Landry to get two hands on that ball. Absolutely. Uh, defense less than 100 yard. I'm sorry, less than 300 yards given up. Helped Sam Darnold under 175 yards passing. He quite honestly never really looked comfortable. Had a couple of nice drives, but really never looked comfortable in the pocket. Three more turnovers leads the league. We lead the league with 11 turnovers. That's huge for this team that's really trying to get their offense going. Yeah, and
1: and the one thing that I noticed was that in the weeks previous to Sam Darnold coming to Cleveland was that he wasn't getting pressured a lot. He, he you had He saw his fair share of pressure, but the Browns were in that backfield time and time and time after time. And they, they literally stopped, you know, Crow from running the ball. They stopped Blau Powell from running the ball. Um, and because they were attempting to stop the run, they when it, when it became time for Sam Darnold to pass the ball,
0: they were running downhill straight at him every single time. Absolutely. Um, and also, you know, Baker, I want to talk about Baker's stats. We talked about how we didn't hold on to the ball. He made quick decisions. But not only did he do those two things, but he was accurate throwing the football, Jay. 17 of 23 for 201 and only two plus quarters because you figure he came in last last part of that second quarter, had the entire second half, and he had three drop passes. So you're looking at a guy who could have been 20 of 23 for 230, 240 in two quarters of football.
1: And, And the three drop passes that he had, he had put them right on the receivers. I mean, the Callaway, the Callaway drop, holy, holy moly. That was a beautiful throw. The separation that Callaway got, which is great, and then right there to drop it down an elevator shaft into Callaway's arms was was just – it showed me that
0: this guy is way beyond the rookie status at this point in his career. And, you know, speaking of Callaway, man, he had one. Rob, Tyron Taylor just couldn't get that ball downfield. He was wide,
1: blank, open. And that's and, and that that right there, those two throws – You take Callaway right there, who has amazing separation uh, abilities, and you put Tyrod back there, he misses Callaway completely. You put Baker back there, he puts it right on him. And that right there shows – it was enough evidence for me. When Hugh Jackson came out and said, we're going to wait till Monday, I said, all you need to do is look at the tape at that
0: between the two Callaway throws. That's all you need to know right there. The fact that he said he needed to look at the tape I thought was kind of ridiculous because – You'd have to think a head coach of an NFL team. You've got the stats sitting in front of you. Right. I'm at home on my couch. I'm looking at the stats before I go outside and do my epic Stone Cold impression, which we'll talk about more in a minute. But I see four fourteen for nineteen yards and just couldn't make a throw. Couldn't decide if he wanted to throw or run or hold or what he was doing to a kid who comes in and throws for two hundred yards in two quarters. And you tell me you got to look at the tape. Somebody I also read somebody should have said, you know, John Dorsey should have walked in right after that press conference and said, buddy, boy, you ain't got to look at nothing. You're fired of this kid's plan.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I'll, I'll play the devil's that kid. I'll say why Hugh Jackson probably said that is because he probably wanted to respect Tyrod Taylor, pull him in the room and say, sir, it is what it is. Right. You you know what happened? You saw what happened out there. This man led us to a victory and he did it in style. He did it in grace. I, I You know. I don't know what more you need to know, but I think, John. I mean, uh, Hugh Jackson, maybe John Dorsey wanted to pull Tyrod in and just give him that respectable conversation and say, uh, no matter what, at this point, you will be the backup and I need you to step up as a veteran and help us mold this kid into our franchise quarterback.
0: I agree a hundred percent there. And I think Tyrod will do that. Also with Garoppolo okay. going down, he could be trade bait which I wouldn't be upset with because I'm okay with Drew Stanton also being in our quarterback room uh, as a backup if needed. I mean, if we're going to Drew Stanton, the season's probably over anyway and we're in deep doo-doo. Um, so if Tyrod Taylor wants to play and you think it's going to be a better fit, I wouldn't be opposed to getting a draft pick or two for Tyrod Taylor out to San Francisco. And, and, and so this is where I would have that that Kaepernick debate, and I don't I
1: don't really do the the political debates. I'm not into that stuff because it's like talking to a wall. But if you're gonna go after Tyrod Taylor, San Francisco, you got to go after Kaepernick, or you just prove the collusion totally because they're they're the same type of player. I mean, they're average at best at throwing, and they're you know they're they're scramblers.
0: So Kaepernick's taller, and he's the better athlete. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah even though he's to. been there,
1: you, yeah, I would agree. You'd have to take a look. You at have him. to. You have to take a look at Kaepernick. You have to. And if Kaepernick doesn't want to play with San Francisco, that's fine. That's a different story. But. If you're going to look at Tyrod, you got to look at Kaepernick. And if you bring Tyrod in, I mean, you're San Francisco, you're asking for a firestorm. Right. So,
0: you know, I uh, Baker's comments after the game, saluting the Cleveland fans, dilly dilly. Oh, man, that was, that was spot on. I really enjoyed that. It just shows the kind of kid that he is, the spunk that he has, the energy that he brings to this organization. Also something that, you know, they mentioned to him that he was going to be the 30th quarterback to start since 1999. And basically he said, I don't care. It's 2018. We just won a game. We're not here to just win one game. We're here to build a, we're building a franchise and that earned so much respect for me being a rookie, noting the situation that he's in and everything that we've been through to understand how we feel. The kid is years ahead of himself as far as humbleness, career wise, uh, even on the field, he's making decisions that third- and fourth- and fifth-year guys are still struggling to make, and he's doing it in his first game. Folks, I don't know
1: if you if you had a chance. I know most people, and by the way, uh, let's talk about almost a year ago, you guys here in Northeast Ohio had a lot of venom for the kid because he planted the flag at OSU. Sorry to bring that up, Ohio State fans, but it happened. But to me, at that moment, that kid showed me a lot of moxie and a lot of maturity, even though it seemed like a Bush league move to do that. That kid had his team fired up to go into the shoe and, and won in the shoe because Ohio state the year previous came in their place and won. So he wasn't going to lose to Ohio state again. And that's what type of man we need here that says, I'm not going to lose. This is exactly why he was pacing on the sideline because we were looking terrible. And Baker Mayfield is about sick of looking terrible.
0: Right, and Baker's a kid, too, that if you look at his track record going back to high school, going back to both colleges that he walked onto and played at, Mm -hmm. all he's done is win football games, put up numbers, and play in the clutch. And that's something that we just haven't had since 1999, and it is about time that this city and this franchise and this fan base has hope and something to look forward
1: to. A lot of people always compare Baker Mayfield to Johnny Manziel, and I said that was a lot of shenanigans, and I was lazy. That was very lazy to compare them to the two because Baker Mayfield had already shown he was way better than Johnny Manziel ever could wish to be. And I'll tell you why right now. What was the difference? Johnny Manziel was gifted. Uh, he was gifted. He he basically won games and it was just basically like handed to him. You know what I mean? Like he, he slept a talent- walk through college. Yeah, he had a talented team. There's a lot of draft picks off the team. But the difference between him for, for me with for Baker was Baker – won his games. Baker worked for his games. Johnny never had to work to win his games. It happened. He won. He was a winner, but it, it felt more like Baker was like, I'm not going to lose. Johnny Manziel was comfortable with was just, just playing the game the way he was going to play. Johnny Manziel couldn't read all, uh, defenses. He barely even knew his own playbook. He just literally slept walked like TK said, through his college career, got to the NFL and was like, uh-oh, this
0: is real. Guys are fast here. I cannot run everybody. I can't improvise every single play. Right. And, oh, yeah, I've got to spend some time in the film room. I need to get here at 435 o'clock every morning and get in my butt in the film room. And that's something that Baker is. Baker's a student of the game. He is not afraid to go in there, watch his film, Figure out what defenses are going to throw at him. And right now they've thrown a lot at this kid. And all he's done is gotten better and better and better each week. Now, is he going to go out there every week and light up the world like this? No. He's going to have a couple of games where we're like, oh, man, that kind of stunk. But I feel he'll learn from that. And it's not going to be one of those things where if he goes out and has a four interception game, oh, my gosh, Baker's ruined. No. Baker's going to go into that film room the next day and figure out what I did wrong and how am I going to fix it? And I think from week to week, he'll get better and better.
1: I think Baker gets us six wins this season. Six to seven is comfortable of where I feel at right now. And I'm telling you, like TK said, he's going to learn. He's going to continue to learn. He's going to bookmark. And he's going to come back next season. You throw that same off- uh, defense at him, he's going to he's going to eat you up. This man was a beast in college. And, and I'm telling you, the tapes did not show it because people compared this man to Johnny Manziel. And that still makes me upset to this day. That dude is way better than Johnny Manziel could ever wish to be because he's he's a better student of the game. He understands football and defense way better than Johnny Manziel could have ever thought to.
0: Also, he's an upstanding guy. Absolutely. So, Jay, Browns finally taught themselves how to win a close game. They had a lot of them last year, could never close it out. They came back from behind, down 14 at home, win 21-17. Our quarterback in the future is here. His time is now it's just a shame that it took us 20 years to get there
1: yeah and and you know after miss after miss after miss you you know we finally get a guy in John Dorsey in the in the front office and you see where Kansas City is right now uh his draft pick was Mahomes i mean look at the kid right now mahomes man we're going to talk
0: about him later yeah
1: we yeah. got we got
0: some thoughts on mahomes yeah, there's My a lot there's goodness. a lot of good
1: thoughts on mahomes that's a john dorsey draft pick ladies and gentlemen so when he picked Baker Mayfield and he picked Denzel Ward, you got, a lot of people were skeptical, didn't think the Browns were doing what they're doing. When I walked away from the draft that day, I said, we we got some winners on our team. And both of those men have panned out to be what John Dorsey thought they were going to be. I am excited that John Dorsey is here because the Browns are going to turn around with the way he runs this team. Guarantee it.
0: Monica, you name it, has come early for Browns Country. Welcome to the TK and Jay Show. I am TK. And I am Jay. Jay, this is the second time we've recorded the opening, thanks to my phone and my iPad, and I apologize for that. Um, however, uh, Hugh Jackson, relieved of his duties today. Todd Haley, relieved of his duties today. Wow, what uh, we had um, a pretty venomous uh, show planned for everybody today. Just with the game yesterday, but I think our entire show took a complete 180 with the news that came out this afternoon.
1: I don't know. I'm still feeling a little bit disappointed in the the way things went yesterday. But uh, I think it, it kind of softens the blow when, you know, what we've been asking for for a really long time comes to fruition. And we also get a bonus in a, in a,
0: in a Todd Haley firing as well. Yeah, I thought yesterday's effort uh, in Pittsburgh was very uninspired. I felt like they were out-schemed, they were out-manned, they were out-coached. Um, I think when they went up 6 nothing and scored two field goals instead of two touchdowns, I knew at that point that this team had no chance to win, that they had no interest in winning for this coach. They had no interest in playing for this coach anymore. The offensive coordinator seemed to be uh, in, going into business for himself, I don't know what kind of scheme they were trying to run yesterday, but every time Baker Mayfield dropped back to pass, I felt like that poor kid got beaten, battered, broken, thrown around the field. And thank goodness it was time for a change because I am sick and tired of this franchise and especially this current ownership group ruining what could be or what should be franchise quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and I am I could see it in the game and early, and we're talking first quarter, and this is just first quarter was enough all I needed was a sample space to tell me that this game wasn't going to be good. We're, we're talking at one point the Browns had 16 snaps inside Pittsburgh's territory, and Pittsburgh had one. And with that one snap Pittsburgh had, they had put seven on the board. So what it was telling me was Todd Haley, and I'm going to put my foil hat on and give you conspiracy theory in my head. When you say he went into business for himself, I'm saying that Todd Haley – was calling terrible plays to sandbag so that he could get Hugh fired and possibly get the interim job himself so that he could run the team the way he wanted to. Those two bickering like schoolgirls behind the scenes about whose team it was was absolutely ridiculous, and I'm glad that you know Dorsey and Haslam made a point to say this is not supposed to be happening. You're supposed to be on the same page, understand your role, and shut your mouth, and basically got rid of both of them. And basically, one, Hugh being terrible, he gets fired. And Haley being a jerk and being petty, he loses his job too.
0: Love it. Well, you know, you said you mentioned Dorsey and Haslam made the decision. I was reading today on Ian Rappaport. I phoned him most of the day, him and Adam Schefter. And as of today, after three thirty-six and 1, and what you saw yesterday, Jimmy Haslam still wanted to keep Hugh Jackson in Cleveland. It took John Dorsey convincing and begging for this man to be relieved of his duties. And here's a hot take for you right now. As long as that guy and his wife are the owners of this football team, they will never go to or win a Super Bowl because he has no idea what he's doing. He's not willing to step back and let somebody do their job. And he is hot, hot garbage. And the product we've seen since he got here in the last three years is a direct reflection of his leadership. I think the uh, hiring of John Dorsey says to us, though, that
1: we're moving in the right direction. I think if Dorsey comes in and shows that he can put a team together that Haslam doesn't have to put his fingers in the Play-Doh, I think Haslam will step back. And I think today was a first sign of that where Dorsey was basically saying, I need my coach in here. He was not my coach. Hughes is not gonna
0: be. I should should rephrase that. Hughes is not anybody's coach. I yeah. mean, he's he's terrible. He can come coach your guys' team at the Turkey Bowl, you know, seeing as that you guys never beat us. Yeah, well, this year is gonna be different. Um, <laughs> That's because you're gonna be on my team. That's I, why it's gonna I be already, different. I
1: already spoke to my quarterback and I told him, you throw three picks, I'll put my foot where the sun don't shine. And and he's, so he's gonna throw four. <laughs> and he he started to tell me, which were I'm okay. I'm gonna have to tell you this. He started to tell me, well, some of those passes came off of people's hands. And I and I stood up and I said, whose hands? Not my hands. Yeah, they came off <laughs> our hands. <laughs> I I said, we took it to the they, house. They definitely didn't come off my hands. And he kind of <laughs> understood that I was getting a little bit passionate about it. But, uh, I, I, you know, if Hugh was to come coach our team, yeah, he would lose for everybody. It wouldn't matter who he was He could go coach Ohio State right now, and they'd never see the playoffs ever again. Right, And that's the type of guy that Hugh was. But at this juncture – John Dorsey really said, this is not my 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 coach. I need you to let me have the reins. And I think today was a sign of that by the conversation that Dorsey and Haslam had. Haslam said, okay, I'm going to let you take over. Let's move forward. Sidebar, Haslam should never be on a podium ever again. I, I just, the things he was saying on the podium today was just mumbo jumbo. And I was just kind of like, you know what? Let Dorsey have this team, man. Just Just right. step back. And, and sit in the press box, enjoy your good food, enjoy your good time at your fo- football games, and just let John Dorsey do this, man. Right. He's having, got this.
0: Having John come out by himself would have spoke volumes to where this organization is going. You don't need to come out there and, and say a word. You and Dan Gilbert just need to go as far away from this city as you can and watch from your private suites or your homes, wherever the case might be, and just leave this town alone. Because I'm going to get into Dan Gilbert later. He's, he's getting on that list. And I have some reasons why. I saw some stats. But we're talking about the Browns now. And I'm not going to get too fired up. You know, um, Hugh, uh, not Hugh.
1: Haslam and, and Dan Gilbert are the literal living meme that floats around where Spider-Man's pointing at himself. Yes. Uh, in the cartoon. They are yep. the exact same guy. And people always tell me, well, we give Dan Gilbert you know, uh you know, a pass because he won a championship. And I always rebuttal, you had the best player in the world. Show me what you did with with everything
0: else, man. You had the best player in the world for eleven years and won one time. And he and
1: he left twice. Right. And to me, as much as people want to put it solely on LeBron, I don't care what anybody says, and this is why I made such a passionate, passionate statement for LeBron, because I don't think that guy wants to leave his home Unless something more was to it. And I think Dan Gilbert is that bottom line that they're out there measuring each other's male parts. And Dan Gilbert's basically too too selfish to basically say, you know what, LeBron? You're the best player in the world. And I feel like you could take our team to the promised land. Dan Gilbert, it's too busy saying, my head's too big. I don't care who you are. You're going to listen to me. Right. And LeBron James is having none of that and i feel that's the same way with jimmy haslam he will not step away but today was
0: was a good sign i will i will say that it's a good sign but like me i think we both agree stay away i don't want to hear from jimmy even in the off season let john dorsey run every press conference let him say whatever he needs to say if you need to say anything Run it through your your uh, your uh, human resources department, your PR department. Run it through Dorsey. Run it through Dorsey. You know, if that doesn't sound good to Buddy Boy, then do not say it. Do not release it. I don't want to hear anything you have to say the rest of the year. Um, and speaking of our quarterback, which I'm sick and tired of seeing quarterbacks get ruined, um, I was reading some reports that Baker Mayfield didn't exactly shed any tears when he found out Hugh Jackson was going. And seeing as that Todd Haley went into business for himself calling – I don't understand how many times you can call a run play on first down, call a run play on second down, gain five yards, lose three yards. It's third and eight. Everybody knows you've got to throw the ball downfield. And how many times did they throw the ball downfield yesterday? One. One time, did he twice. One got picked off, and at the end of the game when it didn't matter. Those are the only two times I saw the ball go more than 15 yards downfield. And that's because... Haley went into business for himself, thought he'd get his coach fired like you said, and he'd take over. Well, buddy boy, buddy boy showed you the door today, and you're gone as well. We got to have guys in here that want to make, not only like you said before, this team better, this quarterback better, and utilize everything that we have. We are a good coach away from being a 5-3 and three football team, a 6-2 and two football team. Instead, I'm 2-5-1 and one, wondering what the heck happened, why I brought back a coach that went 1-31. and 31. Finally, somebody had enough sense to say 3-36-1 and and being the 218th out of 219th ranked coach in the NFL history based on 40 games coached was finally enough to be shown the door and let's finally get this right. I think the
1: the Lou, uh, Tyron Lou firing really set a fire under the Browns franchise. It's when you sit back and you're talking about a man who was in Tyron Lue, who was 600 winning percentage, goes 0-6, and, and the Cavs want nothing to do with this. They fire him immediately. That, to me, everyone in Cleveland saying, uh, hi, what about Hugh? Like, Hugh is terrible. He has nothing to fall back on, so he deserves to go. I don't know what happened uh, after the Tampa Bay game. I really don't. Uh, and and I And God bless the kicker from... From uh Tampa Bay for making that fifty-six yarder because what a bastard. <laughs> the reason, Sorry, and the reason why I say God bless him because if you think about it, we somehow pull that game out. Haslam has enough enough firepower to keep you for another week. We got to deal with this crap for another week right. for for however long you know. So in, in the grand scheme of things, that kick hurt. But now that I think about it, thank you for that because. Right. Basically, what it's what we got out of this was what we exactly wanted was Hugh is gone, and I'm and I'm super excited about that. You know,
0: you know that you mentioned you know that kick going bad, um, things only getting worse uh, in Pittsburgh yesterday, and then you have the Kansas City Chiefs coming into Cleveland next week, the best team in the NFL, one of the best teams in the NFL, second, best. second best team. You have the Rams, uh, who are eight uh, zero. And I don't think you can walk into that game at home with Hugh Jackson leading this team and knowing what's going to happen. I saw it yesterday. I saw exactly what was going to happen next Sunday, yesterday in Pittsburgh. Outcoached, outclassed, outschemed, outmanned, out out everything. And you're going to have to play a damn near perfect game just to be within a touchdown of 10 points of this team. Hugh Jackson would have you down 21, 28 points at the half. They don't make adjustments. He doesn't do clock management well. you got an offensive coordinator who is in business for himself, running on first and second down, only to throw in third down, waiting until the fourth quarter to actually run his playbook. It was time. And I think that this weekend, I'm not saying the Browns are going to win, but I think you're going to see a much better effort from a group of guys who now probably believes they have some people in place that can actually help them win, as opposed to bickering with each other week in and week out.
1: There's two big games coming up back-to-back if we actually think about it. we got... Kansas City and the Falcons coming in, mm-hmm. so those are those are two big games. I, I wish we were in a better spot because those are marquee games where we could have really measured who we were as a team, and right now, those games stand to be blowouts i mean th- those are two really good teams coming in. I think we have a better shot against the Falcons because they 've been struggling, but they 're even still putting up four hundred yards of offense, and that 's dangerous for for our defense who have just been just purging yards left and right. So, I mean, we got the best turnovers in the league, but we and playing the bend don't break, uh, you know, type of defense. But these are two really good offensive teams that are coming in and they could have literally if we'd have been playing better, those two games would have been easy sellouts, easy sellouts,
0: easy sellouts, potentially flex to Sunday Night Football one or two of those games. Um, and just another glaring, glaring stat, and uh, I got this today off Twitter. Um, your one-loss record when winning the turnover margin by at least two turnovers, which the Browns have done that a few times this season since 2016. The NFL is 230 and 25. The Browns are 1-2-1. and one. They still can't seem to score off turnovers, and that is a glaring, glaring weakness of a head coach who can't seem to motivate his, his players. The defense has done enough to win games this year. And it's the offense who has let them down. And it's because those two guys couldn't get on the same page. And to me, as a fan and as someone who watches football and maybe one day will get paid to give his opinion, it infuriates me to see that. Um, because if your defense is getting you turnovers and you can't score points, your team, you can't succeed. So you got a guy who couldn't get his players up to, to play after turnovers, uh, against the uh, Bucs, you had six defensive penalties resulting in a first down. That's mm. discipline. That's on the head coach, The most, one of the most penalized teams in football in his tenure, and yet he would preach discipline, discipline. There was no discipline in your office with your coaches. How the hell do you expect it to be on the field with your players? You know, one, one of the things
1: that also happened in Pittsburgh this weekend that I noticed that I was just sick of was the fact that we have the good talent, and then you would see a great play made, and then what would happen? Flag on the play. We're bringing it right back. Right. And and that's just a telltale sign of the discipline. It's just sickening when you're continuing to shoot yourself in the foot time after time after time, especially when there's great players making plays. I mean, Lord, Chubb is doing the best that he can. He breaks a 10-yard run. He just busted two people's face to do it. And all of a sudden, we have a block in the back that wasn't even necessary. It's just like, come on, Holding man. Holding on like, the
0: other side of the play. A legal block on the back every special teams play, or a hold every special teams play. Even if Jabril Peppers was worth a damn returning the ball, every time there's a punt, there's a kickoff return, the Browns are getting flagged on special teams. I would have fired the, the special teams coordinator as well, too, because he hasn't done anything to warrant being here past week eight. That was
1: Hughes hiring as well, so keep that in mind. Uh, and then the, the guy who. Um, who was hired to do it. I think he's still there. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. But uh, he had had the job eight times before. And every time, every job that he had been in, the special teams had been in the bottom two, three of the league. Right. So how that man has a job right now, don't understand. Not at all. Right.
0: And, and I think uh, even Chris Tabor would be an upgrade, what we've had before over what we're seeing now. Uh, so... Now this is Greg Williams' show. Greg Williams has an eight-game audition. Not that I say he's going to be the the coach next year. I don't think he's going to be the coach next year. I wouldn't want him to be the coach next year. No, I think he's got too much of a a negative history. Uh, But for where this team is now, uh, for the identity that they need to set up for the next guy of no more excuses, you know, blank you, we're going to show up and we're going to play, we're going to give it we're all. I would have to say, you know, they gave the interim coach uh, position to the guy who's been the most consistent week in and week out, even though they've had a couple of spots where they've had some, you know, injuries have hurt this side of the ball. Um, and they sure they've had a couple of games where they gave up some big points, but they've also been on the field a lot as well. I would say, even, and I'm going to say this, even if we were to win and finish the season with
1: eight wins, um, essentially, you know, um, going six and two on your last day. Yeah, I mean, I still don't want Greg Williams as the coach. Um, to to be the next coach, uh, in my opinion, I need somebody that's fresh, uh, understands offense because that's what we have. Blake Baker Mayfield is a genius as far as offense, and I think someone not. And I'm naming this guy, and I it's not necessarily that I want him. Uh, I name this guy in Lincoln Riley. I I would want a guy like that. So the the uh you know someone that like Jared Goff And the Rams, uh, Sean McVay. Sean McVay, someone like that, someone not necessarily young, but younger, someone who understands offense and has an idea that I need explosive offenses, I have explosive plays and things like that, because that's who you have on your team. You have an explosive quarterback. You have an explosive uh, 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 running back in Duke Johnson and a, and a, and a hammering running back in Nick Chubb. You also have two explosive receivers in Landry and Callaway. We need a, we need a, a guy that understands
0: these type of players and makes plays for them. You just mentioned all of those those guys, and you even you have Ninjoku uh, as your tight end. Uh, Njoku this past weekend targeted once, but it was a penalty, so not really a target. No catches, no yards. Duke Johnson. You know, we kept on hearing uh, Hugh Jackson say we're going to get him involved. We're going to get him involved. And I don't know if this was Todd Haley not getting involved. Maybe he's not a Todd Haley guy. But for for someone that you guys preach that was going to be involved, four touches for a game. That's one of your better players. And if you're struggling at the wide receiver position, I still don't understand why he's not in the game more. Put the guy in the slot and let him run some slang, goes, some slug goes, something. Just get the ball in his hands and let the guy make a play. And why they continue to not do this boggles my mind week in and week out. I'm not saying he's got to be your end all, be all, but if you're going to throw the ball to Jarvis Landry behind the line of scrimmage and expect him to run for 10 yards every time, he had eight receptions for 35 yards on Sunday. Eight, eight receptions for 35 yards. I don't think when Jarvis
1: Landry came here, he thought this was going to be his lot. But Todd Haley was not coaching for his job. He was coaching to end Hugh Jackson's job. And this is ever more evident when you have a third and three in Pittsburgh territory and you're going to move the ball forward and you decide to run the ball in shotgun formation. Not only run the ball in shotgun formation, but run a delayed handoff in shotgun formation when you're third and three. That tells me you're not you're not trying. I mean you and I can sit here and and I'm saying Monday armchair quarterback, I'm saying there's kids out here that play Pop Warner knows that if you're going to run the ball with three yards, you don't do it in shotgun formation because you put yourself seven yards back then where you need to be. Right. So that doesn't make any sense to run the ball in shotgun formation. You think it was going to surprise them? It's third and three. They're already in a run defense.
0: Like, right. it is third and three. So And they've been in the backfield every single every time. Single that time. That you've, whether you've been dropping back or in the shotgun. And so why you thought that was going to work, Tom? You know, for me,
1: I'm thinking, and, and I'm just sitting there thinking, and I'm just throwing plays out there. If you're going to do something from a shotgun formation, it better damn well be a slant or throw yourself a screen. Something. Something like that because that would surprise the defense because they were already in run defense. I I kept looking at it, and I kept replaying it in my head, and that's when I officially said, Tyler Haley, don't give a dang about this team right now. You don't. Because you don't call that play. And when you have 16 plays in the first quarter, on Pittsburgh's side of the ball, and Pittsburgh's clearly struggling, you punch them in the mouth, and you get out of there with a win, because Pittsburgh wasn't playing, they they were still sluggish coming off the the bye week, and trying to figure everything out, Ben was still throwing interceptions, we needed to be up at least 14 or 21 points by the end of that first quarter, I mean that first quarter, because we deserve that, and Todd Haley, cracked a bed
0: and didn't allow us to do that. Right. And if you see that, if your guy's dropping back, that he's getting bum rushed, why not roll him out to the right or maybe do some bootlegs, do something to... Not
1: one screen, Nothing.
0: Not a screen pass, nothing. Not one screen I saw. All right. So we've talked Hugh, we've talked Todd. We're still going to talk more here. We're going to talk more Todd. We're going to break down yesterday's loss a little bit more. Uh, Ty Lue gets fired. I'd like to touch on that, even though we said we're not going to be too NBA heavy on this show. But... Since it is local and it was unexpected, I'd like to get into that. Um, Talk about the World Series, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Whatever. Uh, You watched WWE Evolution last night, so I'd like to kind of see what your thoughts are on that. Um, I have more thoughts on uh, Crown Jewel uh, and my thoughts on WWE going forward after that. Um, We'll also look at this weekend's game against the Chiefs. I don't know if the Browns have a chance, but we'll we'll break it down. And we've got several additions to the Jackass list, our ever-growing list. Uh, looking forward to that, uh, so we're going to all that uh, right after this.